0: Paradise podcast number 296. And this is happening on the very last day of November, which, as you all recall, is Movember for me because I am once again doing the fundraising, as I mentioned in my last podcast and all over social media. I haven't been as active with it as I usually have because I caught COVID for the second time. Oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) It was relatively mild. I'm over it. I tested negative. But Uh, It actually happened during a cruise that I went on with my sister to the Mexican Riviera. It was a seven night cruise on day four actually that evening, I got sick. So I spent a lot of time in the cabin watching movies, keeping up on the news, writing in my journal, and managed to have a decent time anyway. Because for the first three days, I was up every single morning working out in the gym at six in the morning. Oh my gosh, that was so delightful. Because the gyms on ships have amazing views. And there's just something about being on that elliptical and seeing the, like the, um, the Baja California coastline, the ocean. It was just gorgeous. So yes, that was really, really fun. And I came back and I recovered and uh, I attended a soft cocktail mixer, (laughs) which marked the end of Soft Cock Appreciation Week. You can find out all about Soft Cock Appreciation Week by going to softcockweek.com because this will be a yearly thing. This is an annual thing that we're going to do. There's so much more focus that needs to be placed on relaxed penises, flaccid (laughs) phalluses, and all of those different (laughs) ways of expressing soft cock, if that is not the way that you like to talk about it. What is that? Let's see. There's got to be some kind of alliterative way to use the word dick, too. Deflated? No, that sounds negative. Deflated dick? No, that's not good. Regardless, I participated in the Soft Cocktail Mixer, and there's a recording of that if you were unable to attend, and you can find that amongst all kinds of other resources, recordings, writings, offerings over at softcockweek.com. Go explore over there, there's some very cool things. And during that soft cocktail mixer, I met Zach Budd. Zach Budd is, he, consent warrior, is a lovely phrase. And he is skilled in so many different areas, but the thing that really caught my imagination was him talking about consent and his work around consent and kink and all kinds of different things. And it turns out that our areas of specialty overlapped at one point in the conversation during Soft Cocktail Mixer. And I thought, oh man, I have to interview this guy. So that is what's happening on the podcast today is my interview with Zach Budd. And I'm going to have all kinds of things for you in the show notes, links and things. One is going to be Zach's offering of the five pillars of consent. I believe it's called Consent, Kink, and the Law. And let's see what else. Uh, every time I mention Michelle Renee, because she is the creator of Soft Cock Appreciation Week, I have to obligatory put <laughs> the links to the Pegging Gangbang interview, the subsequent Pegging Gangbang interview uh, story read from the from the uh, receiver. Of the gangbang and then my erotic story so you'll get those links as well if that uh inspires you or makes you want to go click links and read things and listen to things and fantasize what else do i have to tell you um for movember i am once again doing the movember bodacious ta-ta challenge okay and what this is all about in case you don't know anything about it, is if i make my goal of one thousand dollars and i am halfway there I will take pictures of the bodacious Tatas dressed and undressed and put them up on my blog, okay? And anybody who donates $50 or more is automatically a patron, a $5 level patron. And what that means is if you, if you donate 50 bucks, then for a year, you are going to get the benefits that you would get if you said, Hey, I want to support your work and be a $5 a month patron. So what do those benefits include? A two to three emails per month, including porn pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I curate clips and photos and short videos and things and gifs and I mail links to you so you can go check those out which is always kind of fun and you'll get a podcast the day before public release and you get access to all of my written erotica And also access to the recorded stories that I've recorded as well. So there you have it. Uh, I would love some help on the Movember front. I'm a little bit behind because of the whole COVID thing, but I am hopeful that we can once again meet the $1,000 challenge. Somebody sent in a $50 donation and said, hey, I'm down for the Tata challenge, right? But then he wrote back and said, so like, I have to ask, do we still get to see him if, like, you don't make the thousand? (laughs) And that is a question now, isn't it, right? It is a question because, I mean, if we only make 500 of it, do I just take a picture of one? I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm just hoping that we can manage to do the thousand, but um, I won't leave you high and dry. I won't leave you ta-ta-less, <laughs> all of you who donated. And thank you so much in advance for anything you can give. And if you can't not a problem at all. Some of us are able to give and some of us aren't. I've really kind of detailed endlessly how important I think this foundation is in supporting it. So I'm not going to go over all that again because you've heard it from me so many times, right? So without further ado, enjoy this interview with this amazing man, Zach Budd. I want to welcome to the podcast Zach Bud. Zach and I recently met at the Soft Cocktail Mixer at the end of Soft Cock Appreciation Week. How's that for an intro line of where you met, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I have some lovely things to read to you here about Zach. Zach is a self proclaimed nerd, a sex geek, and a consent junkie. He has been actively polyamorous for over a decade and kinky for even longer. Zach is a consent educator, social worker, and psychotherapist. He firmly believes that everyone has the right to their choice of how to live, love, and relate. Zach lives, works, laughs, and loves in Houston, Texas, where he enjoys listening to and playing music, advocating for his own and other self-care All things Star Trek, (laughs) reading, gaming, hockey, cooking, and is owned and loved by a spoiled, rotten boxer named Jadzia. (laughs) Zach is dedicated to his work as a psychotherapist working with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Zach has served on polyamory and kink discussion panels, conducted workshops, delivered keynote speeches, and recorded podcast episodes on the subject of polyamory, consent, and kink. He's also an advocate for the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom and a proud member of the Board of Directors for Loving More, the nation's oldest polyamory organization. And Zach's website is ConsentWarrior.com. So thank you so much for doing this sort of pretty sprue the moment thing of, hey, come and talk to me about your stuff. Uh, It was (laughs) lovely meeting you with with the whole Softcock Appreciation Week soft yeah. cocktail mixer. So, I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Yeah, we didn't have a gentle like ramp up or intro. It was just, "Hey, let's get together," um even though we'd never met before with a bunch of other people and talk about, you know, relaxed dicks and soft penises and, and stuff so <laughs> i imagine that you know a decade from now we will be like you know we'll be able to hang out like how'd you guys meet well we met talking about soft cocks, soft cocks exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, M- michelle renee brought us together over the shared you know appreciation of soft dicks so yeah that'll be <laughs> which was the first conversation of- to have
0: First of the annual soft cock weeks, by the way, it, it was yeah. long overdue in my opinion. And I think that a lot of really nice resources got shared. And if you don't know anything about what we're talking about, go to softcockweek.com and you'll find a lot of stuff there, including the recording of that soft cocktail mixer where Zach and I met. So there you go.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, so talk yeah, to yeah. me
0: about your work. Talk to me about about your stuff.
1: Um so yeah um I do a couple actually I do many things now at this point um I kind of got started in this world you know where sex geeks and sex educators hang out um because consent was uh or is a topic that I'm very passionate about um having existed in and around um polyamory and kink communities for a while it was just as I'm sure you know it's just a conversation that comes up a lot consent um itself as a topic and you know like you read in my bio I'm I'm pretty much a nerd so if I'm interested in something I will research the hell out of it which is what I was mm-hmm. doing um, um and yeah and basically <laughs> and we can talk about this in a minute if you want um had an experience where realizing the ideas that people in my community have about consent I went from researching it for my own sake to teaching it so that's how I kind of became a sex educator um nice. that's my 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 fun stuff that I do on the side where I, you know, go to polyamory and kink conferences and conventions and talk about consent and a few other things too. I advocate for self-care. I talk about consent in the law, things like that. Um, that's what I call my, my magic job. Uh, my muggle job is I'm a social worker and a therapist. And um, I currently work <laughs> um, as a therapist for uh, um, working with the uh, victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. So yeah.
0: I'm sure consent comes into that quite a bit as well
1: so much so, yeah. so much. Yeah. um yeah well because and the reality is you know and this is one of the things that i teach that and i firmly believe uh not just believe but know is that consent is involved in every single human interaction and so when human connections or interactions go badly the there's usually something going on with this sort or of the consent the conversation and things like that so Um, You know, I'm always an advocate for helping people explain that consent is everywhere. It's not just about sex. It's not just about, you know, um, dating or touching and things like that. You know, uh, a handshake is a consensual interaction. A phone call is a consensual interaction. You Mm. know, sliding into someone's DMs, there's an interaction there and there needs to be an understanding of whether or not this is consensual or not. So when you realize that there's consent everywhere, you become aware of the fact that um, it's pretty easy to violate consent if you're not careful and not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, because most adults, particularly in this day and age, um, and definitely in years past, hadn't really had any kind of education or training or real discussion about consent. We kind of treat it like, you know, like driving. It's something you've been doing for so long. You just kind of just do it almost, without being aware of it. Uh, the problem there is, is it's really easy to not know when you end up on the wrong side of it. Um,
0: yes. Yes. So, yeah. I've, I have, a a friend of mine who is about 10 years older than me and, and I'm old and <laughs> he's, he said to me, I don't get this whole me too stuff. This is really puzzling to me because oh, it's kind of like, you know, from when I was a young man, all I all I was ever knew to do was to just gently keep going a little bit further until I was rebuffed, until she mm-hmm. said no. And that mm-hmm. seemed to work fine. And I said, well, but did it? <laughs> because you don't right. know what it was like from her side of things. And mm-hmm. even if it was something that was not nice, that doesn't mean she would have ever told you I mean, mm-hmm. there's also that that um, aspect of that women are trained to make nice, you know, mm-hmm.
1: to Absolutely.
0: go along with and all that do not hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. So that played into it. And we had a long conversation about it. I'm not sure if he understood it anymore. But anytime you explain something to someone. It's lovely because for me, it just clears it up in my head. It gives me clarity because when I have to put it into words, yeah. and I think that's what teaching does too. I'm sure it did Absolutely. that for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the time that I've spent teaching consent and I've been doing this now since 2016, I learn pretty much every time I teach, whenever I learn from the questions I get asked, yeah. um, I'm sometimes fascinated by the pushback I get and the realization that some people, you know, just aren't going to get it or that deep down there's something in them that doesn't want to, but being able to explain things uh, in a way. And, and which is what education is, you know, just, you know, um, picking information and breaking it down for people so they can digest is a great way to really kind of learn and get sort of more solid on the topic. And so it did for me in the last, what is this now? Five, almost six years. What wouldn't have happened in my own research in probably the next 20, just because like you said, teaching, will definitely help you learn about what you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, there's an amazing way of doing that. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised because I've heard a lot of, you know, I don't get all this me too stuff. And it's like, really, do you really not get it or you just don't want to? Um, (laughs) Or is it
0: uncomfortable to think that maybe you have been doing something all along that has been uncomfortable for the party you were doing it with or to or around Mm -hmm. or all those sorts of things. So you mentioned, it's funny because you, you mentioned all these different ways that, uh, uh, require consent or, or involve consent. And you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, when you slide into someone DMs, someone's DMs, and I kind of went, what, okay, wait, what? Because like, to a certain extent, this is where my mind went. Okay. Just bear with me. Mm. It's like to a certain extent on social media, if you're out there and people can send you messages, you have to a certain extent consented for people to send you private messages unless there's some way to turn them off on whatever platform you're on. Now, mm-hmm. certainly the quality and type of the message is something else all entirely. Right. And anybody who's a sex geek knows all about that because we get those mm-hmm. stupid things all the time.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: But, but talk to me about that DMS.
1: Yeah. So it, the thing about social media is it's done this thing where it's made it much easier to, and I'm using this in air quotes, connect with people Um it, I tend to prefer contact people because you don't really connect that well on social media. I mean, you can, but real actual human connection in a lot of ways takes place in person. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, for example, sliding in someone's DMS. I mean, you kind of could, but you know, do people stop and think, you know, what is it that's prompted you to do this? Did they invite someone to message them or did you just do it? But, you know, just saying, well, if you haven't turned DMS off, you're inherently allowing something to happen. That's like saying, well, you haven't told me no, so clearly you want me to do this. Ooh, good point. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, I mean, well, because look at like, you just use the example of your friend who's a little bit older than you that said, you know, he had always known that you just keep trying and keep trying until they say no. The issue with that is a lot of that is built on that no means no framework, which isn't necessarily a bad framework, but one of the arguments I make is that no means no is not enough and it never has been. Because when we operate on a no means no model, we're setting the bar too low, not to mention the fact, like, if you've ever had to use the phrase no means no with someone you've already had a consent violation, because what that means is you're having to remind them that I said no, and that should be enough I don't have to explain to you why right nothing of the fact that uh, young men. um, probably still to this day, and in fact I'm sure still to this day, are often taught, you know, that persistence is the key. You just keep on going. Don't take no for an answer. How many times have we heard that phrase?
0: Oh my God. Um, I push back on that so hard when I hear that. Because you know, I can remember a man who came to me one time and and just wanted to bend my ear because he was trying to woo this hostess at a restaurant. I was waiting to meet someone for a drink and nobody was around. And he came and he said, Can I sit down? I said, sure. And he talks to me and complains about how this hostess won't give him the time of day. And I said, okay, two things here. One, she's working. Two, (laughs) there are some women out there who play hard to get. Mm -hmm. Um, And it drives me crazy because when I say I'm not interested or get away from me, you better get the fuck away from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's exactly what I mean. The playing games thing doesn't work. But, you know, I don't know what the problem is. But there you go. Those are my two thoughts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, again, there's so much of that that's kind of in our culture. And like earlier I alluded to, you know, I was a consent researcher and I became a consent educator uh, because I had uh, one of those fateful nights where I was out with a partner of mine and we were hanging out with some other people in the local polyamory community, some in the community and some were swingers and stuff. And I heard two conversations. Well, I heard one conversation, but two different people chime in in conversation there. This group of folks was talking about consent. I kind of loosely knew them. And at one point, one male i'm not going to call him a man or a gentleman um literally uttered and i'll never forget this the quote we would have fewer problems with consent if we could teach women to say no better quote. Oof.
0: Oof.
1: yeah yeah see that, that 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 reaction you just had i had too it almost you know messed up the flavor of my bourbon at the time and i was really <laughs> annoyed by the fact that because this is somebody that actually had daughters and it occurred to me that what he just said was that well if people will just say no properly then there wouldn't be any consent problems. I'm like, let me get this straight. How do you fuck up saying no? It's one of the easiest words in the language. You know, it's damn near universal. People understand no in other languages, right? So this what's happening is in other words is you're hearing now and just not paying attention to it. So, you know, like you said, with your friend, it just said, you know, you keep on going until you get rebuffed. How many times have people heard, you know, don't take no for an answer. I used to laughingly have a career in, and I say laughingly because I was never good at it in sales. And I'll never forget being in a meeting with a sales director Um, there was me and 80 other agents in a room, our sales director, who's in charge of the region and a bunch of other agents. This is the guy that was standing in front of us who easily made six figures jumping up and down like an organ grinding monkey in a $5,000 suit screaming. It is not a hard no until they physically kick you out the door. Wow. What's. Interesting about that is that that may make you a good salesperson, it makes you a terrible person. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) well, when you're literally saying, ignore them if if, if they push back or say no, you know, unless they physically kick you out, you know, keep going, and that's ridiculous.
0: When you talked about the guy who said, just teach women how to say no better, Mm -hmm. I had two reactions right away. One was, Oh, great put all the, the responsibility on us. That's lovely. You know, let me do even more of your emotional (laughs) labor Mm -hmm. here. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't, and I know that you would know all of this, but the other, the, the other thought I had was it doesn't take into consideration at all how we, as women have been trained to, to go along with, to not upset people, to not hurt feelings. That's number one, but also, and this is the real serious one that a whole lot of men don't seem to get, and it's been talked about a lot with the Me Too thing, is that pretty much if you're a woman, you walk around really aware of where all the men are around you every day because mm-hmm. they're all stronger than you pretty much. Almost yeah. always are going to be stronger than you. So it is by their good graces, in, in a sense, that in any moment, they don't decide they're going to get violent with you, do you know, horrible things to you, can you know, violate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is this sort of, Low-level fear, and I've had such a hard time convincing some men to understand what that's like. Yeah, that absolutely. that is absolutely part of the formula as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it builds into you a sort of hyper vigilance. Then when yes. you hear somebody say something like, "Well, you're not saying no properly," it's like, "Do you realize that women in this world have been murdered for saying no to the wrong person?" Yes. You know, um, one of the classes I took in grad school was all about uh, uh women's rights and in uh, certain cultures and quote unquote acid attacks, which I realize is graphic, but it happens. You yeah. could reject someone's advances for one reason or another. The fucker get mad and throw battery acid in your face because how dare you say no to him and disfigure somebody permanently. When you realize that women literally walk around with that sort of threat, that sort of hyper vigilance, you kind of understand that you can't say shit like, "Well, you didn't say the right no," and and my thought is when I heard that is, let me get this straight. You don't hear a no that you consider like acceptable. And so you just keep going. Like at what no do you need to hear in order to not rape somebody? It, it, it's something that, like I said, when I heard it, it made me so unbelievably angry and that wasn't the end of the night. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was one of those <laughs> things where I just realized, you know, we need to understand there are people that do that. Now I'm a black man in America. So I have a certain hyper-vigilance too, because I walk mm-hmm. out of my front door Every day into a society that's been trying to incarcerate or kill me since before I was born. I understand hypervigilance, but being aware of the fact whenever, again, if every single human interaction involves a modicum of consent, we are forever on the razor's edge of being in a consensual, you know, society or a non-consensual society where we're respecting people's, you know, autonomy and volition, or we're not. And it's little things. one of my favorite examples to use is, you know, if you're chatting with somebody via say social media or some app or texting and they send you a picture of themselves, I always ask if I have permission to save that picture in my phone. Exactly. And I, I never make the assumption. Yeah. What's amazing to me is how many people are shocked when I ask that question. They're like, oh, uh, well, I sent it to you. I want you to have it. I was like, yeah, you sent me the picture because you were showing me something. I will not assume that I have the right to keep this in my phone, my cloud or whatever until, you know. The end of time or until the Russians hack it or something. See, I, I wouldn't do that because, you know, again, it is your property. It is a photo of something that you were sent me, especially if it's a picture of you, you know, and you have the right to determine what happens with that, you know, or at least to say, you know, let me make, make sure it's okay for me to see this, keep it myself, let alone share it with somebody else. But you have to have the conversation, otherwise, you're making an assumption and you could be wrong. Yeah. Know? And I know that I've issue. been
0: I've been asked can I send you a DM? And I've, Mm -hmm. I've reacted with that same surprise. It's like, well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but it's lovely to be asked. It's lovely to be asked. It's also lovely to be asked. Can I send you a picture? No matter what kind of picture it is, unless you're right in the middle of a conversation, it's like, Hey, I got a picture of that. Can I, you know, send it to you? It has to do with conversation, but, Mm -hmm. but moving over into like sex geek territory. Okay. And combining. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. And combining that with consent, What do you say to people who think that asking for consent isn't sexy or it takes away from the moment? I've gotten pushback a lot from younger people about, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This is so, you know, this is so not sexy. I don't want to do Mm -hmm. this. Or I don't even want to receive this from the women, too.
1: Mm -hmm. What would you tell Um, them? Ruby, and I'll say this to you real quick, and then I'll kind of address the question more directly. I know because I know roughly your age that um, you're of the age. Remember back when we were trying to get people to use condoms and the pushback was always, but it ruins the mood to have to stop and put a condom on. <laughs> yes. It's kind of the same thing because the consequence of not doing that, you know, could be a lot worse than quote unquote ruining the mood. So to more directly answer the question, when people push back and say, it's not sexy or takes away from the moment, I always ask, have you fucking tried? Like literally just Mm. because you just said, it's lovely to be asked, you know, why don't you ask before you do something? And I would always tell them, you know, if you ever, especially if you're on a first date or you're getting to know somebody, let's talk about a kiss. You know, if you find a way to say to somebody, I would really like to kiss you right now, if that's okay with you, would that be okay with you? And to tell me that's not sexy, um, you're the one that, you know, kind of was telling me about my voice, for example, and I don't do that on purpose, (laughs) but to say that to partners is, you know, or to say someone, you know, I would very much like to hug you right now. Would that be okay with you? Yeah. You know, and you, and and to just do it like that, it's not hard to say nothing of the fact is that if you can't make asking for permission to do whatever, particularly if we're talking about sexuality um, and make it hot, you really lack imagination or you lack (laughs) the will to put in any effort you know even in the king mm. you can in a very sensual way gain someone's permission to tie them to a saint Andrew's cra- uh, cross and flog them i mean it can happen mm-hmm. there's a very very sensual way of doing it you just got to be willing to do it um so when i get pushback from people that say that you know like when i'm teaching my consent principles this sounds like a lot of work or it doesn't sound like a lot of fun or, it's a lot of steps to go through what i hear when they say that is i don't want to go through all that effort
0: yeah um, laziness and,
1: Exactly. And the way that I, you know, teach consent and the way I move through the world is I have gotten to the point where I stop trying to convince them. I just tell them good luck. Because again, as a black man in America, I don't move through the world as though the benefit of the doubt is ever going to work out in my favor. Yes. Some people can. Some people can just try something out and see what happens or go through life not asking women for permission, just doing it because they think they're hot. I'm not James Bond. I know better. You know, big scary black guy grabs a woman and kisses her without saying anything to her bad things could happen, you know, oh, Wow. and that's, but that's the reality that I live with. And so I yes. just tell people, you know, if that's the way you want to go through the world, I, I feel bad for anybody who, who's consent you do violate because one, they may or may not tell you that's the other thing, just because you have violated someone's consent doesn't mean you'll ever know it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like when people say, I've never had any complaints, that just means you haven't heard any complaints. It doesn't mean that the complaint department isn't busy. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> It doesn't mean that someone doesn't have a problem with what you did. They just didn't tell you about it.
0: Well, so it, this, this makes me look at me and, and think about my how I like to operate.
1: <laughs> it's mm-hmm.
0: lovely to do some self-reflection. And when I have a date with somebody new, if the day goes well, I always check in with them about three quarters of the way through the date and say, oh, so I'm, I want to check in and see how you're feeling and mm-hmm. see if you're feeling the chemistry." And then yeah, I'm always so honest about that because this whole thing about "I'll call you," oh my god, I wish people would stop doing that. <laughs> so, so you know, and it, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable if one person is really mm-hmm. interested and the other person isn't, but it is what it is. So if they're interested and I'm interested, being the dominant sensual sadist that I am, I say, "Okay, so here is what I would like to do." If it's okay with you, I would like to walk you to your car and kiss you goodnight. Mm-hmm. Right. And I always phrase it like that if that would be, if that's okay with you, this is what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. So I think consent, yeah. being asked consent can be just be so sexy. And here's one of the reasons why it's so sexy. Everybody listening, okay? Oh my God, it makes you feel so safe as a woman. And I know that not all women are going to relate to that. And I know that a fair amount of men might be able to relate to it, too. I'm just saying from the perspective of a woman that has that underlying fear, because, you know, I would that we just talked about being asked if it's okay to do things. Oh, the safety factor. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of having somebody over to spend the night and you don't do anything but sleep. That establishes mm-hmm. so much trust right off the bat. That's what right? it feels like to me. Same space.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you can't tell me that someone's bodily autonomy being respected isn't a turn on, <laughs> you know, yes, it's, yes. I mean, I don't understand how that's a problem, how, you know, you respect the, the person's, you know, body, their choices and how they feel, you know, and you're telling me that's not a turn on again, if you don't want to put forth that effort. What do they say now? I have some questions. <laughs> like, what is the pro- what do you think you're going to miss out on if you have to stop and ask? And you can find fun ways to do it. I mean, I'm also a sadist and a dom and I'll find out, you know, say to someone. So now that you're comfortable and standing there, I'm going to take this clamp and put it on your left nipple, but only if you're okay with that. Now, you know, and I know it's going to hurt. I guarantee you it's going to hurt you more than me, but I still would very much like to clamp your left nipple you can say no you're not gonna hurt my feelings what do you think right (laughs) that was a way of asking for consent to, to clamp someone's fucking nipple okay so
0: so is that partly but but is that partly (laughs) like negotiating mid-scene i mean wait a minute (laughs) here
1: i mean yeah no so you negotiate ahead of time so it wasn't mid-scene it was just more of a statement of intent in a way that's kind of like a question in the moment yeah Uh, that was in the moment right gotcha so okay but but, so yeah i would clearly would have negotiated or we would have talked about that before i would have done all the um show and tell you know with the toys that are in my bag and said this yes clams are and stuff like that gotcha Uh, and at every step i always give the opportunity to say no if that's what somebody wants to do because you know rather than I didn't hear no or they didn't say no, I depend on enthusiastic yes for there to be consent, um, which raises the bar a little higher. So now you know all someone has to do to not consent is to you know say anything other than hell yes to me. And that then, is one and of the things would do that.
0: I wish so many people would understand that you know a well, I guess is not an enthusiastic yes. I mean, there's so many things oh, that are yeah. not an enthusiastic yes. That, mm-hmm. you know, a reluctant sort of okay, mm-hmm. yeah. It doesn't qualify. It has to be a hell. Right. Yeah, Right. yes,
1: yeah. And
0: and that's, like, that's one of my
1: my pillars of consent, right there. Yeah, is, the, is enthusiasm has got to be involved.
0: And again, this is the this is one of the things I learned when I got into the cuddle party things. Um, and by the way, cuddle party is a registered name. When I got into cuddle gatherings. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I learned, because you learn a lot about consent there, and, and that was one of the things that first started opening my eyes to it, is that, and I love this saying, if you can't trust someone's no, how can you, is it the other way around? If you can't trust their yes, how can you trust their no? The other way around.
1: The other way around, yeah. If, if, if you can't I've, trust I've, their I've ever heard their no. you say no, I can trust your yes, yeah.
0: Yes. Because if they can't say no well enough, then how can you ever trust that they really mm. mean it when they're saying yeah. yes? Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And so if I that- don't know that you'll say no to me. Yeah. I don't know. Because as someone who would be seeking consent from someone, you know, if I've heard you say no, I know you'll use it. If, if all I've ever heard you say yes, I don't know if you say yes, because you're afraid of how I may react if you didn't, yep. you know, and the onus is on me to kind of find that out, you know, um, to make sure. And I'll flat out ask, you know, please don't do this because you think it's what I want, you know, do it because you want this um and yeah but again that's a way of seeking consent that does respect somebody's autonomy um i'm a stickler for making sure people have the right to say no it's one of the other pillars of uh consent that i created or that i kind of um, talk about in my consent workshops um is that things have got to be voluntary and for it to be voluntary you've got to be free from any and all forms of coercion in order for that to happen the person has to be free to say no and to have that no respected um because you can say no and have somebody just not pay attention to it hence you know you still say some no to somebody about anything and they just ignore it and they keep on pushing. Well, see now you're not respecting the fact that someone's going to say no, which by definition is a coercion. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not listening to you saying, no, I don't care if you said, no, I'm going to keep going anyway, you know, but yeah, that's literally taking away someone's volition. It's literally saying, I don't care if you say no, I'm going to do what I want to, which is why I appreciate the no means no thing, but I prefer, you know, an enthusiastic yes, or like I say, hell yes. And as I ask people that I teach this stuff with, why would you want to engage in anything with somebody that they weren't enthusiastic about? Like, I don't understand wanting to do that. It, people who know me personally know I'm not a big hugger. If I know you, fine. And if you ask, I'm definitely more likely to hug. But sometimes people have come up to, you know, to want to hug me. And I kind of cringe and you know cover myself up like this. And then if people still want to hug me when I do that, I kind of have to wonder why and what does that mean about them? Um, another way I put it is have you ever had a truly, you know, just life-changing, game-changing, earth-shattering, mind-bending, universe-creating orgasm, and enthusiasm wasn't part of the equation? You know, mm, I, I don't, know, I don't know anybody that half-asses their way to the best juicy. sensual yeah. experience of their life. I mean, how do you do that? You know, and why would you try? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't understand it. So, yeah.
0: Because it would be like just a solitary doing whatever you want to do to enjoy yourself the most and not caring about the other person, which is sometimes that's a kink I have to say yeah you know what this what this recalls for me is I wrote an article about pegging and intimacy and a whole bunch of people cheered it on and I was trying to make the point that is you know pegging isn't usually a tinder hookup kind of a thing I'm not saying it's never happened but yeah there's usually people that already have a connection everybody was cheering Mm -hmm. me on and going yes 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 and this is great and this is the only way and then this guy got on there and said well actually It might be like that for you people, but it's not like that for me because my kink is to be treated like a thing and Mm. to be used for the enjoyment of someone else. And if there's any intimacy between me and the person who's begging me, you know, kind of ruins it for me. So it just goes to, you know, just want to open that up to, yes, there are many, many, many different ways to have sex and many different ways to look at things. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: I'm right down that same line as with you as, you know why would you want to? Cause it's not my kink, you know, yeah, yeah. my kink well, is not and, that.
1: And even if that is someone's kink, I think you can, you know, communicate that and maybe even negotiate that. And then someone understands, okay, fine. Oh, so, I think you, you know, have that to negotiate it. And, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So it, but, so when I get that pushback that people, say, well, I don't really want this. I'm like, I, the stakes are too high in these situations to go around assuming. You know, um, and so assuming that people are going to say the no that you expect to hear in order for you to stop doing something is really a bad life choice. (laughs) You know, it's just not really the way to approach things and certainly not human interactions. Um, It just doesn't work that way. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, And if I just want to throw it out there to anybody who's listening, who's interested in BDSM, but they have not started exploring it very much at all. um, If you come from or if you feel like you lean towards the submissive side of things. Please know that when you get into BDSM, there's a crap load of communication and negotiation and getting to know someone. You have your own autonomy. You get to decide what happens to you and what doesn't. It's not like in the fairy books. Well, not really fairy, but fantasy books where you've got... Uh, the Dom that's like, you will do this. And it's all, you know, like the stupid movie that I don't want to name that's 50 shades of whatever the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. It's it, that is not the way kink works. It's really, really important to stay safe and understand that because there are predators out there looking for new submissives and looking for people that don't know this. That's why I wish that there was a huge central BDSM learning place that, that was better, better organized and had all the information right out there so that people could go there and, and learn these things first before they dip their toes into fet life, which can be a little overwhelming. So what do you wish that everyone understood about consent? You know, what are people missing more than anything else? What's the one thing that you wish you could, you know, put on a red banner and make everybody read and understand?
1: Um, wow. <laughs> There's not That's just one. Hard. Uh, yeah, no, there's not just one. There's a bunch of, I I think the most basic one is what I mentioned to earlier is that consent is involved in every single human interaction, Mm
0: -hmm. every
1: phone call, every text message, every handshake. You know, I live down here in the South where people think a hug is a handshake and, you know, you talk about hurting people's feelings and whatnot. I mean, there are people that get their honor offended if you don't, if you don't hug their, you know, hug them because they want to hug from you or something like that. So probably that it's way more present and prevalent than we think. And that we need to be conscious of it's it got to be intentional. You know, you you don't accidentally luck your way into a purely consensual life all the time without paying attention, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because again, when you start making assumptions, that's when you lead to misunderstandings and misunderstandings I I think are what the big problem is when it comes to consent and living a consensual life, let alone having a consent um, society, a consensual society.
0: Mm -hmm. So, now, can we talk about the story that you shared <laughs> of your your journey discovering prostate pleasure? Can yeah, we talk about yeah. Story, would you yeah. share that? I would love that because
1: mm, it's yeah. just,
0: it illustrates so much. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, when we first kind of chatted and talked, I, I kind of just brought up and discussed my first experience with any sort of prostate stimulation or prostate pleasure. And, and it, it was actually a pleasure. And I came to the understanding later, particularly when I became a consent educator, that the actual experience was itself a consent violation. But it was, um, you know, the usual thing. I was over at a a partner's house and um, we were spending time together and and enjoying ourselves. And, you know, um, it came time to do sexual things. And I'm sitting there on the sofa getting a truly world-class blowjob. It was amazing. And, you know, (laughs) doing what you do, you know, you let your head back, your eyes roll, you, you know, find yourself floating through different galaxies and shit. And, you know, if you had stopped me and asked, like they do at the hospital, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what's your pain level? If you asked me, you know, at what's your pleasure level from one to 10? It was probably about an eight, eight or nine. I mean, it was feeling really damn good. Mm. All of a sudden, as these things go out of nowhere, it went from eight to about 28.
0: It was just <laughs> very
1: fucking intense, extremely pleasurable, something I had never felt before. I honestly... One, I didn't have enough grasp on my reasoning and logic to understand what was going on and trying to form the thought. What is that didn't work because it just felt good. And I was like, just going with it because this feels it, one new and different because I never felt before, but two kind of incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And if I were to try to communicate something like, I don't know what's going on or stop, I, I probably I'm pretty sure now that I was you know somewhat nonverbal, it just wasn't happening. There was nothing that I could do other than ride the wave in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So did that for, I don't know how long it probably felt like an hour, but it was probably closer to like, you know, 60 seconds or so an explosion occurred, which I later realized was an oriasm because it was <laughs> fucking amazing. And I'm just getting, again, laying there trying to come back to earth for a little bit and, you know, kind of sitting there. And at one point I was able, I noticed myself exhale. And at that moment I felt a finger slide out of my anus and it was like, oh that is what happened and (laughs) it was one of those and so i'm talking to my partner you know having just absolutely you know exploded in her mouth and she's like yeah i read about it somewhere and i wanted to try it and i was like okay she's like what do you think i was like i mean it was good that was really neat i had never done that before never had that never i had never heard of that and later on it was this realization that you know you just kind of snuck a finger in without even mentioning to me that you thought about we had never had a conversation about it had never mm. you know, she didn't tell me what she you know what she had read let alone where she had read it because i think it was it might have been like something stupid like cosmo i have no idea it wasn't exactly like she went and looked up you know some actual reputable source it was just i read an article <laughs> about something and wanted to try it on you without telling you mm-hmm. i you know knock on wood i'm grateful to whatever gods may be that it was actually a pleasurable experience, although totally unexpected, unprepared for. And I still know to this day it was a consent violation because it was. Um worked out okay, you know. But yeah, I kind of had to get to the point where I was like, listen, future notice, say something before you shove something in me, huh? Can, <laughs> can, can, is that okay? So you, can, you had a conversation uh, then eventually, yeah. Eventually it was like, you know, Hey, I just wanted to try it. And it seemed like you liked it. I was like, yeah, I mean, just because I liked it doesn't mean it was cool to do it that way. Like, you know, and I'm not saying we can't do that in the future either, but can we talk about this ahead of time? Can we not have, I think the phrase I used was please no more surprises, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which makes sense. Right. Cause you know, I, I don't know. Um, you've probably been doing this longer than I have. Is there ever a good time to, you know, out of nowhere, just surprisingly insert something into somebody's orifice? I can't imagine that's. <laughs> I well, mean, no, I guess if you it... discuss it ahead of time, but yeah, well, especially
0: especially anal because it, it, mm-hmm. it, there's there's the taboo aspect, but the ass is just such an incredibly vulnerable place, and I cringe when I see these threads on Reddit where you know, it, it can go in either direction. It can be a cock owner wanting to introduce or or have anal with a vagina owner or the other way around. And yeah. inevitably somebody will always, you know, say, well, just kind of play around there and see if they like it. No, fuck no. You ask first and you always ask first and you respect the no if that's what you get. I call that gorilla ass play. That, yeah. uh, that, and it's yeah. like, especially with like the cock owner and you're trying to convince them to ask play, which I have seen a lot of those conversations. Cause I hang out in the pegging subreddits and things. And it's like, well, just, you know, sneak a finger in there while you're giving them a blowjob. I means same thing you just experienced. And I just all in caps, man, I rail at those people and say, nope, nope, that's not, you know, consent people. Hello. Yeah. It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. gorilla ass play, um, you know, no stealth sodomy. I mean, you don't just sneak anything in there. And like (laughs) I said, in in my case, it kind of sort of worked out, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a consent violation. it's one of the things I'm adamant about saying is like, yeah, it may have turned out that this was me, you know, accidentally discovering something that I enjoyed. It wasn't cool to do it that way. And it's never cool to do it that way. And you're right. You know, the anus is not something you just kind of sneak up on. I mean, it's got to be kind of be prepared And, and there's a way to go about doing that. But in the reality is that's, anything though Um, that's
0: true i mean no matter no matter what kind of sexy time things you're doing just just in the realm of sexuality at this point judging by is this person look like they're enjoying it is not necessarily all there is to it at all i mean uh who is it emily Nagoski talked about arousal Mm non-concordance and this would be people who uh, have a trauma like rape or they're sexually abused and they feel so much guilt because it, they were turned on at the time. And mm-hmm, start, mm-hmm. yeah, arousal non-concordance. So it's never a good judge of a just like, well, you were enjoying it. Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't right. take away the need for asking and words and talking about it and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just because something hurts doesn't mean someone doesn't like it. Just because it doesn't hurt doesn't mean they do like it, right? (laughs)
0: Goodness for Sadie's like you (laughs) exactly,
1: (laughs) right? Exactly. You know, but I mean, but that's the reality. I mean, there's some people that want things to hurt, but it, you know. And again, if someone does that, you know, just sneak sneak a finger in there or something like that. What they're actually saying is, here's how you get away around the fact that they might want to say no. Yep. Which by definition is a coercion, which again, by definition is a consent violation. You know, people have to be allowed to say no, if that's what they're thinking, who cares if they don't know whether they like it or not. I mean, it's kind of like, I think we were talking about like, you know, spinach or Brussels sprouts when your parents made you eat them, even though you didn't like them anyway, you know, as adults, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And, you know, sure. You may not know whether or not you like it because you've never tried it. Not the point you have the right to never try anything for whatever reason, you know, and the other thing is that's the key. We don't know what the reason is. It may be, I don't know. I'm scared. I no more things about it. Someone's tried that before and I didn't like it. Um, or, you know, something even worse, like, you know, well, I was raped or assaulted in that way before. Please mm-hmm. don't ever do that to me because you think it'll be fun, yes. you know, and uh, people have the right to that. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I walk that line really carefully sometimes because the whole activity of pegging is rife with misconceptions and assumptions. Mm -hmm. And so often when when a possible giver is approached, they're not responding to a request, they're reacting to their misconceptions and assumptions. Mm -hmm. So I always walk a fine line though, because everybody has the right to say what they want to do or what they don't want to do in bed. Mm -hmm. But what I tell people is it's possible that they have myths and misconceptions interfering with their ability to respond rather than react. So mm-hmm. if you think that this might be coming into play and only you can know that because it's your partner, then there's that podcast that I made that takes them through all the myths and misconceptions. But, and I don't try and convince it's so important never to try and convince, but I always tread carefully because yeah, a no should be a no. Absolutely and then Mm -hmm. i kind of go yeah but but if they don't understand what you're really asking what you're requesting because there's so many different things it could be oh you're asking for that thing where you want me to fuck you in the ass while you're dressed up like a woman and i beat you (laughs) you know and that could have nothing to do with what they're asking
1: right yeah so
0: it's delicate territory it really really Mm -hmm. is
1: yeah yeah i mean and again it's being open to pleasure but in a way um That, you know, most people aren't used to, like you said, there's a taboo aspect of it and whatever someone's reason, even if it's, you know, in your opinion, just a truly, you know, false one, you know, it, it, I'm afraid it's going to, you know, change my sexuality. That may not be the case, but people have the right to say, no, anyway, you can't logic someone out of their decision. And I've seen that happen before. It's like, well, because of this, this, and this, you shouldn't feel that way. Fuck you. I feel the way I want to feel regardless of it. Even if you think the reasons aren't valid, you know, saying no is valid. Period. End of story.
0: Yes. Um, Thanks for the information and no thanks. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. I will go chew on this, but either way, we're not doing this right now. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's the other thing um and maybe it doesn't mean try it see if i like it that's not what i said <laughs> you know so um, so since yeah.
0: then since the gorilla ass play that was performed on you i love that <laughs> phrase can you tell i love that phrase yeah it's a good so one. I like it. so since then uh what how how are you thinking about male anal receptive play and pegging you know tell me your thoughts about it and if if you are willing to share
1: Oh man, so many thoughts that this is the problem with being a part-time perv is I have so many <laughs> of these thoughts. It one and what I keep going back to is even though, like I said, that first experience was a consent violation, it was very pleasurable. There was a lot of physical sensation, one that I had not had before, mm-hmm. um, had never experienced uh to that level let alone in that aspect it was it's like feeling something that's amazing for the first time and not knowing how to go about replicating it and then in, in my own mind having to you know come to grips with the way to replicate it is to get somebody else to shove a finger in your ass and <laughs> but And that just being the reality, because, you know, how else do you do that? You know, and that kind of being the reality. And again, because I'm a nerd, I started researching things and it turns out, yeah, well, you know, there's, there's, uh, there wasn't the term pegging at the time, but there was definitely things about prostate, um, you know, massage and, you know, prostate stroking and things like that and realizing it is a new avenue to pleasure. And I think that's the part of me that's very slutty and hedonistic. That was just like, well, yeah. And then of course the challenge is outside of, you know, Little Miss, you know, poke them before they know what's going on. I didn't know that I could find a, you know, female or female presenting partner that was willing to do that. And there are those that are and those that aren't for their own reasons. Again, some of them which may be absolutely just total, you know, folly, but could be real to them anyway. And so they're valid. And then, of course, there's that wonderful challenge of trying to go through life, finding someone that is willing to do it. And it doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have to be everyone. And I'm not monogamous It doesn't have to be every partner or every relationship. But, you know, every once in a while, I would like to experience this. Why? Because it feels fucking good. And there's something real about that. And um, and like anything else, you've got to get rid of all the sort of baggage you're hanging over your head that keeps you from doing it. You know, what does it say about me and my sexuality? Uh, nothing, but you have to understand that, not just say it to yourself, you it, know, the, that type of thing. So, yeah.
0: Was there any, uh, confusion isn't the word I, I want, but how did it interact with your dominance?
1: Um, that was different because the thing about kink, As you know, there's so much variety in the way people think and sort of interact, and yet there are still some of those expectations that are really hung up on tropes, you know? So it's the trope of a dominant, and people can never understand a dominant ever being penetrated because that just doesn't make any sense, which makes me laugh because there are femdoms that get penetrated all the fucking time. But apparently it's different because they're female, but a male dominant, you're never supposed to be penetrated at all. You have to maintain your... Uh, toxic masculinity which is something that i despise but is very real it happens all this other stuff and so it really became kind of understanding that uh and i think i first got this from um it might have been a webcam femdom who said you know you can as a dominant tell your submissive to please you in this way whatever way you want you know that's what they're supposed to do is to give you pleasure, regardless of what it is, you know, and, you know, depending on your relationship with your, your sub, you can tell them they're not allowed to either, you know, scoff or whatever, that type of stuff. So it, it was this understanding that, you know, if this is a form of pleasure that I want, I have a right to expect, or even demand that pleasure um, from a submissive partner, and that it can be a way of doing something, you know, let alone because you have to teach them how to do it, especially if they've never done it before. Um, and so that instruction part of it can kind of work into your dominance. It's it's not easy, I'll admit that. Again, I had to get remove a lot of mental roadblocks that I had, uh, mm. because hello, toxic patriarchy, it's a yep. thing that is there and pervasive, and it's a major pandemic itself. So, yeah, it's um yeah. So it the, the easiest way to answer that question is it took a lot of time a lot of effort, a lot of thinking about it and just going for it. Cause at some point you got to take the chance and try and trust someone.
0: That's true. I mean, the same, the same tropes play into my side of things as well. In fact, I just wrote an article called, uh, when dominant women suck submissive dick, I think it's called. <laughs> mm. Because I get that whole thing about, oh, no, if you're a real true dom, which there is no such thing, of course. Um,
1: One, two way. Yeah. Yes.
0: You don't ever allow yourself to be penetrated and you don't suck dick. It's like, oh, no, no, no nobody's going to keep me away from the dick. There's no way.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the same with me and going down on, you know, submissive fe- uh, females. It's like, you know, don't tell me I can't eat pussy. Are you kidding me? Yep. Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> there, there are a lot of things that will happen before that stops. No, I I're absolutely reviews. So yeah, uh-uh. I hear that the doms aren't supposed to give me a fucking break anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, we've talked about go, so I'm many... a dominant and I do what I want to do.
0: <laughs> Consensually.
1: Yes, of course. Of course.
0: <laughs> so we've talked about so many things and I know that I didn't leave enough time for this, but I am really curious about your thoughts regarding men of color and their relationship to anal receptive play through all the years that I have. I know, I know. Through all the years that I have been studying this, teaching about it, learning about it, listening. Oh, the listening really taught me so much. And it's very, very clear to me that it's a different relationship with anal receptive play than cis white men, you know, mm-hmm. if cis men of color, it doesn't make any difference, um, whether they're cis or not. But yeah, men of color have a different relationship to that sexual activity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um it's interesting, you're right, because we could literally have an entire podcast episode about this topic. Um maybe we will a couple- <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. You got my email now. So let me, cause I'd love to come back and talk about this in depth. So a couple of things that I usually like people to try to think about, or at least hold in mind when considering um, the black community in general, but particularly black males. Um, one is the black community. this is not everybody because hello, surprise, surprise, black people aren't a monolith, but um, the black community does have a strong influence from evangelical Christianity, which leads mm-hmm. it to be sometimes, and particularly as people get older, um, pretty um, socially conservative in a lot of ways. So, which is another way of saying that homophobia is rampant. Mm. It does happen, it does exist. And not to mention the fact that there's just a lot of social pressure from within the black community itself to establish manhood it's kind of like our own form of machismo in a sense where you're supposed to you know be strong be a man you know um, be a father take care of the family be protective there's all those sort of toxic uh, masculine you know horrible patriarchic sort of uh, tropes that go on and you know there's a lot of pressure to live up to that Um, i know as a young black male particularly as a young black perv growing up there are all these things that black men didn't do because it somehow called into question our manhood black men didn't eat pussy that just wasn't a thing that we did. Um, which was hilarious because yeah, that's changed a little bit now slowly though, but it's changed. Uh, But yeah, that that, I was debunking that one really quickly. Um, (laughs) So we didn't do that. There were, um, you didn't kind of fall in love. Like the way you, formed relationships or pair bonds, particularly with other women was to kind of act like you were interested, particularly around other black men. Like you didn't fall in love and get totally wrapped up and swept up in romantic love with somebody. You could love them and care about them, but falling too far meant you were losing your sense of your own, you know, they're supposed to come to you and whatnot uh being able to date a lot um date around date a bunch uh, what i tell people all the time is that you know while i am non-monogamous and i practice non-monogamy there are a lot of non-monogamous black men who will never admit that they're not monogamous it's just a thing that they do kind of like the kennedys weren't monogamous but they will never tell you that yeah it's <laughs> um, not, not lot...
0: ethical non-monogamy yeah, exactly or, yeah or or yeah. if it is it's just hidden
1: Yeah, exactly. It's sort of that hidden, you know, my view, but you're never open about it because you are called into question if you as a black male have a female partner who is allowed to be with other men. somehow that calls into question your manhood. So, which is ridiculous. Um, And even certain avenues to pleasure um, are not allowed to you because, uh, well, a bunch of reasons. One of them is that's just some white people shit. You know, that was what was said about homosexuality and gay men for Mm. a long time. That's that's some white people shit. You know, Mm -hmm. AIDS was a white man's disease. That isn't us until black men started dying from AIDS and black women started getting AIDS from black men and dying. Then suddenly became something we had to reckon with. But for the longest time, that was just some white people shit. We don't do that. Uh, Again, not true. Um, Mm. And there are some changes to where that outlook has kind of been. Um, you know in the swinging community, black men are a huge fucking prize. but the reason is not because um people are that interested in black men it 's because our our sexuality has been monetized and fetishized. fetishized and so we're yes. basically a form of entertainment. It's like I tell people all the time, the porn is a multi-billion dollar industry that serves the people with the most money who are mostly cis white men and they want to see interracial sex. That's why it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so black male sexuality has always been something that's been either codified, um, taken from us, exploited um, by others or um, told to us what it should and shouldn't be. And that was one of them. So, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, that's why like the, the interracial impregnation stuff fascinates me. I was like, why are we literally doing the very thing that we had been lynched for over, you know, yes. the past? so, cause that happens. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things that go on there, but the main thing is it somehow is a challenge to manhood and, you know, we will, you know, as a community, they will overall cut off an entire avenue to pleasure because it dares to threaten the quote unquote again i'm using air quotes manhood thing and manhood just gets wrapped up into so many things that aren't necessary and yeah people look at you differently but i mean I've, I've seen that in a bunch of communities not just the black community i know people that look at male doms differently if they ever take any sort of you know anal penetrative pleasure whatsoever whether it be from a submissive partner a female partner or male partner or whatever there's inherently something wrong with you if you do that um, and th- that's related largely to how the greater society looks at, um, male se- sexuality. Yeah. There's um, so much for-
0: society Im- imposed shame around so that. Much. I mean, so I love what, uh, Dr. Joe court says about this is like, assholes don't have orientations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Not only gay and bisexual men feel pleasure in their ass. That's just not the way this works. This is all physiology. Right. And like you say, it's another avenue of pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and and but yeah, you're right. It's another avenue of pleasure, and shame will make you walk away from it. Which, and I'll admit, you know, in my own discerning of realizing, hey, this feels good, and part of me was thinking it shouldn't because that's quote unquote wrong, which I had to get over, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it, that took me some time. It took some discerning, and then you get to the point where okay, in my mind, I can be convinced that it's an avenue of pleasure that I want to continue exploring. Now I've got to find partners that will be on the same wavelength as me, <laughs> yes. not. Not, you know, think that it causes a question of my sexuality or manhood, not be judgmental, not be grossed out because there's a big squick factor to anything having to do with an, an ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's another thing that happens in the black community. They just assume buoys are gross, you know, and which is a shame because everybody's got one, <laughs> you know, and again, it can be a tremendous having of pleasure. So there's a bunch of reasons that um, really do interact and i mean you, you i can tell kind of you're just tip
0: things. of the iceberg yeah
1: oh absolutely yeah. This, well, yeah and again you know there's so much of that you know because i've even asked black men who've talked about this he said okay well if, if it's you and your wife it's just the two of you together would you even consider it? no no way it's like why no one i mean you're married you've got three kids no one's going to sit here and try to cast aspersions on your sexuality as a male plus it's you and your wife you don't have to tell anybody no i can't do that and there's just this huge roadblock in the way it could be a bunch of things again internalized shame internalized homophobia uh not even internalized just homophobia in general there's a bunch of stuff you know whether or not they are you know believing practicing christians or not there's just inherent there is something bad and wrong about that and um they just don't necessarily go for it so yeah
0: that's kind of a a flavor, excuse the word, but that the ass has anyway,
1: (laughs) that is... uh...
0: Is I'm that, sorry, that sort great. of, I know, right? <laughs> sort of like the 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 naughty, it, it's over the line into naughty taboo. And mm-hmm. some people that over the line into naughty taboo is a thrill. Because I talk mm-hmm. about, well, I'm here to try and normalize pegging. And they're like, oh, no, 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 not too much. Because we really like the whole taboo part. <laughs> to think yeah, that you're doing right. something like good naughty as opposed, or good nasty. Nasty is a better word. Yes. Mm-hmm. Over the yeah. line and into the, the good nasty as opposed to the, the yuck and icky nasty nasty and bad
1: nasty mm, yeah you're right yeah taboo was a big thing um, um which again is fascinating because so much of the sex of the black community and black men um definitely has been some sort of taboo um and it, it plays out all over social media now anyway just with interacting with black people it, themselves in a the sexual way for some people is a taboo you start talking about you know uh anal penetrative anal, particularly on male-bodied persons. And we're beyond taboo. We're at you know taboo, shame, fucking blasphemy, everything that we're not supposed to do. Um, and yeah, as a community, the Black community is just going to be slower to kind of completely throw any sort of norms it would, uh, people were raised with out the window. Um, mm. You know, I may not be an active, you know, practicing you know, Christianism like that, but if my mother says she's praying for me, fine, and I'm good with it. You know, other people will say, well, prayer is stupid and they're hardcore atheists. I'm not going to disrespect my mother's belief system and whatnot, even if I don't necessarily hold on to it because I will respect that part of my ancestry and my elders. Some people can completely take their, all their ancestors' beliefs and thoughts and whatnot and throw them out the window. Not as easy for Black people. For the longest time, our history, short though it may be, particularly in this country, is in a lot of ways all we have we don't have connections for the most part many of us to the motherland at least not directly you know mm. so and that's something that i think people don't understand is it's not so easy for us to just up and throw away the ideals of those who came before us because in large part that's what we had mm-hmm. so yeah that's another way of looking at it that i'm sure i could go into for hours if given the opportunity so.
0: well and it's so fascinating for me thank you so much for sharing all that No. Yeah. The tip of the iceberg, and yes, I do want to have you back to talk about that some more. It was requested because I have gotten questions over the years: What's the deal with black men and pegging? Why aren't there, you know, black men out there that enjoy it, and Mm -hmm. and and or openly enjoy it is a better word, you know, Mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's, um, I think I saw a tweet the other day was, um, somebody who is a content creator, um, posted herself pegging her husband and the tweet was normalized, you know, um, male cuckolds, particularly black male cuckolds. And again, I made the mistake that you should never do on the internet was read the comments and holy fucking shit, everything from flat out calling him gay to saying he's not a real man. Yeah being a cuck is fine. The minute you let somebody, let alone your wife, you know, strap on and peg you, suddenly you are no longer allowed to call yourself a man, not in the same way. Um, And it was just ridiculous. That there's that outpouring of just absolute derision and snide comments and stuff. And it's like, again, this is a couple that is engaging in playing in the way they enjoy engaging and playing. What fucking difference does it make? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's a lot of that, it's easier to judge other people for what they don't do, particularly if I don't, if I wouldn't do it. So yeah, that's um it's it's a mm-hmm. challenge, it's it's difficulty. And you know, stepping out and being honest about it or being upfront about it itself carries a bunch of risks. You know, it, it, it's a risk to me just talking about this, but I, to me, it's important for people to have, you know, good information and to understand some things. And I realize there needs to be a face put on this stuff as well.
0: So well, and I'm I was just going to say, I, w- I appreciate you so much for talking about this and give you kudos to, to getting yourself out there because yeah, to represent and say, you know, here I am and I'm an okay person and I'm doing fine and I really enjoy this. And here's the information Yeah, Mm -hmm. might change Mm -hmm. some minds, open some minds, open some asses, even.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's always the goal, right? Just get those asses (laughs) wide open. So, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for coming and talking with me, Zach. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And and I did want to mention I know you sent me the link. I have not had a time to investigate it, but you have recorded your whole consent, five pillars of consent thing. You've done Mm -hmm. a whole deal. And it is available for consumption. So I will Mm -hmm. have that in the show notes. And oh, awesome. uh, Absolutely. And tell me the name of it.
1: Uh, It is the presentation. The presentation is my five pillars of consent and also consent uh, kink in the law. It's kind of combined the two of them there. So uh,
0: nice. That's a lot of information. So I will put a link and direct people to that so you can find out more. I can't wait to check it out myself. I just haven't had the time. Maybe over the holiday weekend. Yay.
1: Hey, go for it. Yeah, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your your thoughts. I mean, it, like I said, a lot of it was condensed because it's talking about two big topics together, but um, it's um, a lot of the basics, particularly about five pillars of consent. So yeah, as, as someone who is a well-known educator and gangster, I would love to hear your thoughts.
0: Absolutely. There's so much overlap in those two areas. I can see why you did them together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again for being on the show.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, I hope you all enjoyed that interview, and I hope you all are really enjoying the beginning of this holiday season, and thank you so much for downloading and listening. You rock. Happy pegging and no shame.